Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. If you need a Bible, please put a hand up. Awesome volunteer is going to get you a copy of God's Word. Um, this is not good. This is going to be, I'm going to call this a chemo sermon. If you're new, I'm going through chemotherapy right now, and so that's my excuse for every possible thing <laughs> in life. Honey, you ate the last cookie. I, I'm, on, I'm on chemo right now, you know, it's like, right? You just got you to milk that. Um, so my thoughts, I hope, are organized. I feel a little bit of, I feel a little bit scatterbrained, but I'm hoping that this will work. There are no notes this week, but if you are a notes person, keep your pen with you. I will tell you uh, what the three, four, four statements that are going to make up this sermon. So there will be something for you to write down if you just are a kinesthetic or more visual learner and you love writing, uh, there will be opportunity. So um, also, we're not going to be in one verse, but if you want to jot down Romans 8.13, that is probably the most important verse for a sermon like this. Romans 8.13 will be in four different texts today. And I don't have page numbers because that would be a responsible thing. So um, if you want to just hold on to that Bible, if you're not sure how to get, find your way through, you know, you're not sure where Galatians is or this, that, or the other, you can just hold that Bible and look really holy. Just hold it next to you. Like they, they told us to do when we were leaving college, to always have a Wall Street Journal under our arm, even if we'd never read it before. You know? So just <laughs> keep it close by. But if you know your way around, I will tell you which verses we're, we're going to. There's no shame. If you're new to church, we'd love that you're here. Um, oh, giving time. So b- b- while, while you're uh, getting situated and ready for the sermon, uh, I want to thank you guys. Um, if you're a regular giver to Foundation Christian Church, I, I hope you, through Foundation Christian Church, if you're a regular giver, you purchased a sponsorship, um, Sierra Pregnancy and Health. I told you guys you're going to hear a lot more about them, and you're going to hear more during announcements today about how we're going to be working to support them in the next couple weeks. They are a crisis pregnancy center here in Roseville, and they have a fundraiser every fall, a football night. So the 49ers are hopefully getting destroyed by the Rams tomorrow night. I say that as a dyed-in-the-wool Dallas Cowboys fan. That just shows you when Jesus saves people, he saves people from a very wide swath I even met a Raiders fan once that knew Jesus. Yeah, that, that, that's how you know the blood of Jesus is strong. So, uh, yeah, it, it could happen. But anyway, so I'll, I'll be going there to, to not so obnoxiously root against the 49ers because how on earth did I end up living most of my life in Northern California? I have no idea. But listen, if you lived in Dallas in 1993, you'd be a Dallas fan too. Do you understand what was happening in 93? It was amazing. So, Great Wall of Dallas, it was good. So, I'll be there, Emily and I will be there at their fundraising dinner here in Roseville representing you guys. Uh, We, as a church, made a donation, and we are, Foundation is the official church of this event. And so our logo and our name, and they're going to probably say something good about it. They're going to have to make up something for sure. No, they won't. But they're going to say nice things. And anyway, they, um, I guess maybe we're the only church that sponsored, other businesses sponsored, but I think we're the only church because they asked me to do opening prayer because they are an explicitly Christian ministry. So if you're not familiar, you're going to become more familiar with Sierra. They help women who are in uh, a crisis. They are pregnant and they were not planning to be there, or they were planning on being pregnant, but their relationship with their significant other fell apart. Something's going on. Um, And we'll talk about it more, but 
it, it is proven, data, hard data, the number one deterrent that helps a woman choose life is getting to hear her child's heartbeat. So Sierra does that and they do it for free. They don't charge her a penny, okay? So you guys have already made a donation and so I'm just saying thank you in advance. You guys have already done that to support the mission of what they're doing and we'll talk at the end of service how you can support even more. Anyway, these are the online ways to give. There's a silver... There are two, still two silver buckets. The I have no idea why there are two silver buckets. Um, the silver bucket is for tipping Greg. If the sermon's really good, you put money in the small silver bucket, but it needs to be over and above your tithe. <laughs> we'll see if this is one of those 18% sermons or 20% sermons. I don't know. Dennis will be like, I don't want to see the bottom of my glass. So <laughs> we'll see how well I can do. I don't know. One day I'm going to make one of those buckets disappear so we understand which bucket to put it in. But there's a bucket back there. Okay, so who here is willing to admit, maybe it's for pencils. Is it for pencils? Oh, it was for voting last week. We could do it Chicago style. They could vote again. Okay. Um, Who here is willing to admit, it's a safe place, that when you, especially an action movie, you can have almost as much fun You expect the good guy to win and to be vindicated and everything's going to be great, but there's also a certain, uh, what's that word, schadenfreude? When the bad guy who's murdered multiple people gets his comeuppance, sometimes the good guy kills him, sometimes he trips at an inopportune time and he happened to be on a 27-story building. Who's willing to admit it's kind of nice when a really, really evil person in the story, yeah, okay, Here's the deal, guys, about the the way narrative works. Good winning and evil losing are kind of the same thing. In an ultimate sense, they have to go together. There are so many stories, whether it's a, a good book or a good movie, a good TV show, the bad guy has to die or go to jail to complete the circle of justice winning out. You don't just need the good guy vindicated. You need something bad to happen to the bad guy. Are you with me so far? You could have it be a little bit creative in the plot line, but this is generally how it works. If justice is going to have its way... And, and so what I've discovered in my preparation for this sermon, the title of this sermon is called Kill It, so it's a really uplifting rainbows and unicorns kind of sermon. That you and I, all of us, We like the positive illustrations that the Bible uses about the Christian life. And we don't like the dark and scary ones because they sound hard. Well, allow me to to prove my point. Here's another one to jot down if you're going to go do, I really do hope you do go study this later. I'm only going to give you four verses and there are a dozen and a half that should be looked up on this topic. Listen to the words of Paul in Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ooh, do I love the second half of that verse. Coffee cup verse right there. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Ding! So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. Ding! This just sounds great. Am I winning points? Who loved me? I love God's love for me, and he gave himself for me. Yay, ding, 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 ding. What came first? 
it happened in order. Paul said it in order on purpose. It started off, my old self has been what? That's dark. Especially if you've got a background in church, but even if you don't and you watched Spartacus or something. Has anybody ever used the phrase crucified to death? Anybody heard that phrase? I haven't. Because that's the only thing that can happen to you. It's presumed. They will say shot to death. You could catch a bullet in the arm and it really hurts and maybe does permanent damage, but you live. It was not life-threatening. People could say you were stabbed to death because you got stabbed, but if you're away from a big artery or something, you could live through it. And Paul did not say there were lots of forms of execution in first century Rome. Rome was a dark place. He could have said whatever he wanted. But Paul didn't say that. He made it really, really dark. And he said it first on our way to all the good news. I, my old self, trivia time, who led more people to Christ and planted more churches, Paul or you? Paul. <laughs> All right. Who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul or you? Okay. So if God graded on spiritual brownie points, if this was the Eagle Scouts of eternity, does Paul have more points than you? Lots of points. And the badges, yeah. If Paul's old self had to be crucified, what about the rest of us? It is no longer I who live. And boy, does that fly in the face of the spirit of the age where we want to be in charge. I want to self-actualize. I need to just look inside myself for truth. Paul say, no, 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 you need to die. I know some of you guys get tired of my movie references, but Hitch is an amazing romantic comedy and you need to see it. When Hitch is trying to train Kevin, Hart, uh, not Kevin Hart, Kevin, what's his last name? Doesn't matter. He's this guy who's got no game whatsoever, but he's trying to go win the heart of the lady he loves. He says, hey, you guys are going dancing. I'm gonna teach you how to dance. And then the guy does this ridiculous dance where Will Smith's character's like, uh, no, nope, do not ever do that again. He says this really important phrase that you wouldn't think you'd see a, a heavy discipleship term in a, in a rom-com, but it happened. He said, you is a very fluid idea right now. You. And you're saying, well, that dance just isn't me. <laughs> you is a fluid concept right now. In our world, we want to go find you and we want to be in charge of defining you. And Jesus says, no, you need to die. You are killing you. That's why we don't like sin. Sin means I am to blame. Sin means I have broken the cosmos in my rebellion. And Jesus loves us enough to say, not only are we gonna crucify you, I am going to live in you and through you. Beautiful things are gonna happen. It's gonna come when you yield to me. There's good news. It just starts with the death of you. Exact opposite of what every Disney movie has ever told us. No, you need to die. The old self has to go away. So if you want something resembling points, if you are a note taker, here's the first one. I hope that if you've been in church 
a few years or longer. None of this is a surprise, but it is mission critical that we understand it. Number one, sin is waging war against your soul. Sin is waging war against your soul. 1 Peter 2.11, if you want to turn there with me. 1 Peter 2.11. We'll stay there for just a moment. Does Peter know something about sin? Those of you guys with a church background? Denying Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Yeah, he knows a thing or two. Chopping off a guy's ear, attempted murder. Okay. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. He's talking to Christians right now. This is not your home. To keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Is Peter mincing his words? Did Peter just soften the blow? Peter is not talking about hurts, habits, or hangups. He is talking about cosmic treason against one's creator that divorces the creator and the created. That's the, if you don't think Genesis 3 looks like divorce language to you, go ahead and read when, when God lays out his case against Israel in the early chapters of Hosea, it's written out exactly as a divorce proceeding of the time. If divorce language sounds too strong to you, go read Hosea. It's exactly how God speaks about his people. And it's not him divorcing us. It's you've left me. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Everything this world tells you to want, let's just break it down in English, worldly desires. Want, all of my wants have the potential to destroy my soul. Where does the want come from? He calls it worldly. If the world tells you you should want it, it's probably killing you. That's what Peter says. You want to take it up with him in glory, take it up with him. Don't shoot the messenger. In the American economy, do we spend probably billions, but do we spend hundreds of millions telling other people what they should want? A political ad is telling people what they should want. This amazing new tide that's going to take the stains out. Every mother in America, apparently her son plays football according to these commercials. You should want this product. You should want this car. You should want this house. You should want, you should want. And again, like most idolatry, it's not something that's inherently evil. It's a good thing made a God thing. It's not bad to want a car. You just, your desire level goes too high and it's up there with Jesus. Now it's an idol. Worldly desires are waging war against your soul. My concern for us who love Jesus is that we don't believe Peter. And I obviously don't know. I can only search my own heart. Are we as Bereans, we're looking carefully, not just at somebody's claims about truth when they say, oh, the Bible says, which the Bereans did. Are we listening carefully to every message of the world going, is that true? You just told me to want something. Should I? You know what I mean? We, guys, we know if we've got children in our life or if we've raised children, we've got nieces and nephews, we understand very much what behavior looks like when we're a slave to every single want. Watch a four-year-old 
in front of a screen when a, an ad pops up for a toy. The ad says to want it, the four-year-old wants it, and bad stuff happens. Or they learn that you don't get everything you want in life. Do we want to be spiritually four years old is the question. Do I want to be tossed left and right, allowing the world to dictate every desire of my heart? The guy who sinned bigger than any of us will probably ever have a chance to sin. He says, the desires the world entices you toward, those desires are trying to kill you. In case you think the violent language is too much, I want to retell a story. I'm not remembering right now which ship it was. I want to say it was the Victoria 2, but I'm probably getting that wrong. There was a, maybe it was the Victoria 1, there was a British cruise ship that was all fitted out during the 1930s to carry, I think, some ridiculously small number. Like it was made for 700 or 800 cruisers, but 1,200 staff, if that tells you how high-end this thing was. Anyway, um, this little thing called Hitler happens. And so what is Her Majesty's Navy going to do, right? Commandeer, in the words of the great Captain Jack Sparrow. So this ship that was made for luxury and comfort was gutted, filled with bunk beds. Instead, not of this queen, king, no, 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 bunk beds everywhere. And the same ship that could hold something like 1,600 people was able to transport 8,000 soldiers at a time. It went something like four to one when they, when they refitted it. Because we know why, guys. The core values had changed. The boat floats, the boat moves. That is the basic functionality. But is it moving slowly for comfort through the Bahamas, and you're supposed to have lots of space and you paid a lot of money to be here, or we need you, your rifle, and your boots to move from there to there, right? Very, very different, okay? And, and what I want to submit to you, if you love Jesus Christ, the entire Christian life gets retrofit. The moment you say Jesus Christ is Lord and you enter the baptismal waters and you come out of there dripping wet, the Holy Spirit is going to strip out rooms from your boat, because you have just painted a target on your chest. You've picked sides. You switched sides, really. The entire Christian life is one of combat against God's enemy, Satan, and against every dark thing. You are now fighting sin. You're fighting every hurt. You're fighting everything that was unleashed in Genesis 3, and you're doing so in the name of Jesus. So you and I love to figure out how much space could we get in this room? And the Holy Spirit says, how much fruit could I shove into this person's life? That's what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. It takes up space. You know that? Well, I was gonna spend a bunch of money on a, my, my new uh, toy, but the Holy Spirit changed my heart and now I want this, this, and this. Isn't it, can anybody here wanna testify? It was really inconvenient. The Holy Spirit changed one of your wants. Anybody had the Holy Spirit change one of your wants? Oh my goodness. He's good at it. It's a full-time job on his part. I think he breaks a sweat sometimes. It's a full-time job. Second, for those of you guys who want points, the Christian's old self 
has been nailed to Jesus' cross. For the Christian, your old self has been nailed to Jesus' cross. We just sang this a moment ago, but we cannot overstate it. Romans 8, I'm going to read 12 through 14. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Do you believe that? Because I think usually when we're sinning, we're, we're listening to that old slave master. We obeyed that voice for so long, we forget that we have a new master called righteousness. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. If you live by its dictates, you will die. This is not, you're not gonna live your best life now. It's not like, well, you're gonna end up being kind of poor. No, you'll die. Spiritual death. You will not go to heaven. Guys, can I scare you? The New Testament says over and over again what a Christian life looks like. If you're not fighting sin, you're not a Christian. Fighting sin and pursuing holiness are the same thing. They're the same thing. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, now that was more specific. That wasn't just putting to death the sinful nature. He's saying you're putting together, putting to death the deeds, the actions that want to flow out of the old Greg. What does Greg want to do? What does the old Greg want to do in this situation? He wants to be selfish. He wants to be narcissistic. He wants to scream and cuss. Okay, those are the things he wants to do. Paul says, but if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the flesh, the things that the old self wants to do, you actually, practically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically tackle and destroy everything that you used to do. Guys, the Christian life is not floating downstream. It's hard. Not a single amen on that one, right? None of us liked that news. I didn't amen it either. If you put the deeds of the flesh uh, in your sinful nature, put those to death, you will live. Again, this is ultimate spiritual language, spiritual life. You will go to heaven. You wanna know if you're going to heaven? Are you fighting your own sin? Not fighting somebody else's sin. That's a Pharisee. That's a jerk. Nobody likes that person. Are you fighting your own sin? This is an indicator. This is very similar to the language of the fruit of the Spirit. We all love the fruit of the Spirit, especially in Sunday school, because it makes for a really nice felt board. Okay? The things that are produced by the Holy Spirit are a list of all the beautiful things that God produces. And guess what? If we were to stop and look at those and go, what is the relationship between these different results of the Spirit's presence? What's the relationship between them and sin? Try to put sin up onto that felt board. Sin looks like a katana. Sin wants to play fruit ninja and chop out every good thing the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. Sin doesn't belong on that felt board. It is a zero-sum game all of the way Greg used to think, feel, and behave, or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. One of those can go up on the felt board. And there's an active yielding to sin and the old self, or there's an active yielding to the Holy Spirit. That's the choice. People who are just playing games with Jesus, who think that they are a Christian, you are meant to be multiple times in the New Testament warned and terrified 
If you are never, ever fighting sin, you never make any sacrifice for the great name of Jesus Christ. You don't ever, ever let go of the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. If you've got a death grip on that wheel, you don't look like a Christian, you don't smell like a Christian, you don't act like a Christian. Stop telling yourself that you are going to heaven. It's my job, not as a preacher, but just as a loving human being to tell you so that you can wake up and realize you have not actually believed the gospel. The gospel is not that you attend somewhere on a Sunday. The gospel is that Jesus is better at running your life than you are at running your life, and he's worthy of it. Until you have let go of the wheel, you are not a Christian. And to be clear, so I don't freaking some of you out, grabbing the wheel back from time to time is called sin. We all do it, and we're wrestling to keep giving Jesus control. I don't want you to think, you're like, well, I remember this time where I took control back. I must be going to hell. I don't want you to feel that way. That's ludicrous. We are meant to be fruit inspectors for each other if we love Jesus, but also inside ourselves. I'm supposed to be able to say, Pastor Dennis, you know that, because we did, we had that really big talk about the way I talked to my kids and we had that talk two years ago. You know, have you seen any growth at all? Because I'm on the inside and I don't feel like I've seen growth. Have you seen the Spirit do anything in me? Guys, did you hear how loaded and how intimate and how scary that question would be if we didn't trust each other? This is why I keep telling you guys to get into groups or Bible studies. Like we've got to have Christian friends that we can ask the hard stuff. You know what usually happens? This is from personal experience. I'm gonna tell you right now. Usually your friend sees more fruit than you see in yourself. Because you're in the fight. If you're in the fight, you got blood on your hands and you got your, you know. You may not feel like you're winning, but your friend has a different perspective on your life. That was for free. Third, so sin is waging war against your soul. The Christian's old self has been nailed to Jesus' cross. By the way, as I said during communion, not nailed to your own cross. Spartacus had his own cross. It did nothing to wash away his sin. Nailed to Jesus' cross. He takes our sin into the grave and leaves it there. That is the whole point. That is the symbol of baptism. And only by being like him, with, his, with him in his death am I with him in his resurrection. The only way that Easter applies is if my sin is nailed to Jesus' cross. I don't die for my sins. He died for my sins. He was the one who is sinless, who could die for the sins of the church. Third, this is the part you're not gonna like. This is the part I'm not gonna like. What? This is the anti-lazy boy verse. We're gonna have to get up off our derriere. The Christian is an active participant in crucifying their old self. I'll say it again for those of you who are writing it down. The Christian is an active participant in crucifying the old self. Are you guys hearing how much humility there ought to be in Christians? Have I said anything yet about other people's sins? <laughs> the, the word of God gives us so much work to do inside ourselves of yielding to the Holy Spirit to show the beauty of Christ to a lost and dying world. It does not mean we don't call a spade a spade when something is sinful and wrong. There's a prophetic ministry to be sure. But the beauty of Christ is shown 
in our lives as we put sin to death and as we pursue the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our own lives, right? Or outside of scripture, here's how some people say it. You'll attract, well, you attract more flies with honey than you will with vinegar, right? Okay. The Christian is an active participant in crucifying their old self. Galatians 5.24. If you wanna write that down and do more study this week, Galatians is powerful. This comes right after the fruit of the spirit verse. That's how, why I'm talking about the fruit of the spirit so much. Galatians 5.24, if you wanna turn there. And verse 25, this is Paul. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, okay, Christians, have nailed. Is that past tense, present tense, future? Is that, what is that? Have nailed. Already did it. The passions and desires of somebody else's sinful nature. Did I read that right? <laughs> of their own sinful nature, their old self. To whose cross? Oh, to his cross and crucified them there. What's the them? What's the plural? What's the them? Passions and desires. Passions of their sinful nature, desires of their sinful nature. Crucified them there on the cross of Christ. And it says Christians did it. If you wanted to be off the hook and say, well, he who began a good work in you is faithful and just and complete. So the Holy Spirit's gonna do all of my sanctifying. He's gonna make me more like Jesus. I'm just gonna kind of float. I'm gonna sit here. <laughs> that Paul, that, that, that Paul, Paul in this verse just ripped that away from us. No, you crucify your old self. You did that. And there are other verses that say it in the present tense as a command. So, do you want the bad news or the bad news? You have been nailed to the cross of Christ and you are continually nailing your old self to the cross of Christ every day and that is the Christian life. And that's the good news because what did I start off with? Guys, we want to see Bruce Willis kill the bad guy and save Christmas. but we also want to see the bad guy fall off the building. Those go together. Let me ask you a really important, really basic, but critical theological question. Do you think, Christian, do you think you're going to get into heaven, you're going to walk in with the old sinful nature still there? Is the old self going into heaven? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that crucifixion, has to be finished. And we know Christ is the one who himself completes it, taking our guilt onto himself and handing his righteousness to us out of his mercy. We know the old self isn't going to heaven. We're trying to get ready for heaven. So the old self has to die. The new self has to be fed good meat of the word of God, of the presence of the Holy Spirit, surrender to his Holy Spirit as he bears much fruit in us that love dominates all of our thinking and all of our words and all of our actions. But guys, we can't talk about love dominating the Christian life unless sin is gonna die because sin and love don't coexist, do they? 
I want to talk about joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. All of those things are a zero-sum game against sin. Sin's not going to let any of those things thrive. Sin is Agent Orange against every fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can tweet that. I just thought of that right now. I'm very proud of myself. It's not, it's, it's not going to work. The putting to death, not the cleaning agent, guys, Vietnam. Anyway, <laughs> somebody's like, it works wonders on my windows. No. <laughs> the putting to death of the self when the New Testament talks is the same thing as saying, surrender joyfully to Christ's lordship in your life. Jesus, take the wheel is the same thing as slaughter the old self. It's the same thing. One sounds negative, but who knows from, from your math class back in the day, two negatives make a positive? Come on, it's technically kind of sort of ish. I'm just saying, minus two times minus two is positive four. Ish. <laughs> Listen, for those of us who aren't math teachers, two negatives made a positive. I don't, you're gonna have to teach me later. I don't understand. Small brain, three, I got like three synapses working at all times to preach a sermon. I'm saying when the bad guy dies, I consider it positive. That's what I'm saying in real life. So the Christian's an active participant in crucifying the old self. Um, so some practical applications so we can get you guys out of here. Um, four things that I want to encourage you toward. And when I say encourage, I'm being really, really gentle. I think the Bible commands you to do all of those, so I hope you listen and do them. Otherwise, we're wasting time. One, invest in friendships over the long term. Two, pray against your sins. Three, study the word. Fourth, take decisive, bold action. I'll say them again. Invest in friendships over the long term. Two, pray against your sins. Three, study the word. Four, take decisive, bold action. Let me talk through these. Number one, there are more than 45 biblical commands that use the phrase one another. Teach one another, encourage one another, rebuke one another, warn one another. You cannot do these things outside of relationship. If you're trying to be a Lone Ranger Christian, you will be disobeying at least 45 Bible verses every day of the rest of your life. I'm here to encourage you. I don't want to stand in front of Jesus saying I ignored 45 things you said because I was a Lone Ranger Christian. No. Invest in friendships over the long term. That is how you're going to fight sin. When others can see your blind spots for you and teach you and rebuke you and encourage you and you can see their blind spots. Or as the great Rocky Balboa said, I don't know, Adrian got gaps and I got gaps. Together we ain't got no gaps. Okay, that was for the children of the 70s. Okay, number two. Pray against your sins. Read Psalm 51 if you don't think you're supposed to pray against your sins. Ask God for help in this fight against sin. Third, study the word. Psalm 119, 11 said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He didn't say I hid your word in my heart that I'd get more Awana points and that I'd get a cookie at the end of Sunday school. I listen so deeply, Lord, to what you say because I don't want to sin against you. Do you hear his heart? Isn't that amazing? Studying the word of God is fighting sin because he tells us what's good and holy and beautiful. It's the same thing. 
So get in a group, get in a Bible study. Fourth, take decisive action. If you think that Paul and Peter are the only ones using violent language against sin, let me remind you of Jesus in Matthew 5, 29. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Man, Jesus, I'm so glad I came to church today. Well, it was just a, you know, he was just, it was a little bit of superlative. He was trying to be, he said, hey, um, don't you think arriving in heaven with one eye is better than arriving in hell with both? Jesus said that. That's not my interpretation. That's what Jesus said. When you and I sin, he's telling his followers, the fight against sin is normal behavior for a Christ follower. Take it seriously. Take real action. I'd love to brag. I wish I knew these young men's names, but I'm going to brag on them anyway. 17 guys that were all juniors and seniors in high school at a summit church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, This happened just two or three years ago. So I want you to think of a 17-year-old three years ago. Has the screen already dominated their life as it relates to phone? So they barely remember the world before smartphones. 17 guys covenanted together. They all got rid of their smartphones and said, if I can't be trusted with the internet in my pocket, then I will not have it. And the 17 of them all went out together to the AT&T store, bought flip phones. And they told their youth pastor about it, like, this is where we're at. If you think a millennial has their phone attached to their right hand surgically, (laughs) take a look at Gen Z. (laughs) Like, it's really not leaving, okay? These young men read the words of Jesus, gouge it out, do what you gotta do. You wanna think of all the inconveniences of not having a smartphone when you're accustomed to it. That's your map. Some of us can't even drive to our own mother's house hardly without it. You know, It's your map, it's your directions, it's, hey, is this restaurant open? It's everything. And these guys said, holiness matters more. Hernan Cortez, wonderful man that he was invading the new world. Some of us have heard the story that he came into Mexico and he wanted his 600 or so men from Spain to know that he meant business. So he lands in Mexico and has their boats set afire, set aflame. Victory was now the only option. We have our swords and that's how we're going to survive. You burn the boats so that victory is the only option. There is no retreat. And that is how wartime Christians fight sin if we're still just uh, rearranging our uh, deck chairs on the Titanic, it might be not the same. If we've got a wartime mentality, if we've got to take this territory, if this promised land, and if you guys don't know, I know most of you do, the promised land conquering forms as a spiritual narrative for what heaven is going to be. When Joshua and his people are taking the promised land, they don't want to retreat. You don't want them to ever retreat. You don't want them to give up. They want to inherit all of what God has for them. Every blessing, every victory, they want it all. So those are my encouragements to you. Invest in friendships over the long-term church. Pray against your sin like David did. You're not better than David, right? Anybody here better than David? No? Okay. 
Study the word. Take decisive, bold action. Our brother John Owen wrote the um, seminal work on killing sin almost 400 years ago called The Mortification of Sin. You know, mortification, same root word as a mortician or a mortuary, the killing of sin. And this is the takeaway, the one sentence that everybody remembers from that book, even if they remember nothing else. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. That's it. Sin does not rest, it does not sleep, it does not stop. The only thing you can do is nail it to the cross of Jesus Christ. That is your only option. If you're gonna burn the boats, that's the only option. Allow me to pray for us. Father, I pray for our hearts right now. Um, God, we want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We really do. We confess, God, that because of sin, sometimes we don't want righteousness. And we ask you to save us in those moments from ourselves. Save us from our old self. Save us through brothers and sisters that'll encourage us to get our eyes out of the water and back up into Jesus' face. God, particularly ask for our groups and Bible studies that the relationships formed there would be deep and rich. God, I ask, some of us have had 40-year deep friendships in this church and some of us just got here a few weeks or months ago. And I ask that you'd build relationships that glorify you. God, we need each other. Uh, Christianity is a team sport. We need each other so much, God. And, and um, we're just so rugged individualist, God, that if, if you don't help us, I don't, I don't think we're gonna get where we need to go. Um, help us to keep our Bibles open, and with purpose, help us to wet every page of your word with our tears. Because we're so grateful for what you have said. And because we're repenting deeply in light of what you've commanded. God, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray, keep us from the evil one. Teach us how to pray against unforgiveness, as you said in the Lord's Prayer. And God, please make this church, individuals and as a family, make us violent against our own sins. God, make us a people that is so peculiar, we will get rid of our $900 phone and buy a flip phone if that is what is required. Man, first world problems, huh? God, make us aggressive as we desperately desire Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In the saving and sanctifying name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. God's people said. Amen. Amen. Three announcements. Number one, I know some of you, you told me you lost your cookies. And I'm sorry to hear that that happened. But you need to find them. Uh, Kairos cookies, did you say Tuesday? Tuesday. Those of you who signed up or those of you who need to hurry quickly and sign up, uh, we have a ministry to our men in blue who are behind bars right now, who are being shared, have the gospel shared with them, but specifically how the gospel leads to careful 
Forgiveness, purposeful, well-thought-out forgiveness, how that manifests. And as if you saw the video, you know that people's physical, literal lives have been saved through this ministry. And part of the way that ministry happens is us giving cookies. And so some of you have already signed up, thank you. Others of you, in case you're hearing of it for the first time, we only have 48 hours left. Do we call you if we're frantically baking at the last minute on Tuesday? Your bride? Call Claudia. Call Claudia. If you do not know Claudia, my cell phone number is on the back and I will get you in touch with Claudia if you're one of those last minute people. Uh, but we need five to seven million cookies. Oh. Man, this sermon was too dark. I can't get a chuckle out of you guys. All right. <laughs> I have to go kill something. Anyway, um, second announcement. So if you're, Yes. Awesome. What day do you guys go in? Thursday. Yeah. Pray for the Kairos team going in on Thursday. The Lord would make them effective and bold. And Amen. Amen. Second, if you've been a part of the church for a year or longer, you know that every Halloween we've got Pumpkin Blast. We have a big carnival right in here where we invite our city to come have a nice, safe, predictable, free from rain if it happens to rain, place to get delicious candy and play great carnival games and the kids get to dress up and we have cool things where their parents get to take their picture. I wanna repeat myself from last week. If you provide a safe, fun Halloween for my three-year-old, do you love me? I wanna be clear about this, okay? You do. We oftentimes see a couple hundred families filter through this room on Halloween and it's a way to say, we see you, we care about you. We care about kids. Um, we're going to have uh, a booth. We've got to work out the details, but I want to make sure we've got a, a booth here for Foundation Kids. I know that everybody's not necessarily coming through here interested in finding a church, but just to let them know on their way through, hey, we love your kid 52 weeks a year. Do you know that? And it would be our privilege to tell them about Jesus. And so anyway, we need to do that. It's going to be a good time. So I say that so that you're, uh, we're on your radar at the sign-up table next week, we'll have uh, slots ready for, to go for those of you that would like to help run a game, etc. It's on Halloween night, which is a Monday this year, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's just two hours. Um, I want you to know, guys, letting a child throw a ping-pong ball into a little fish tanky thingy to try to win, that sounds silly, but I want you to know it is sacred when we are welcoming little kids onto our property, making sure their very first experience at church is a happy one. That's sacred, Okay, um, and I'm preaching to the choir here because I know a number of you guys um, serve every year. I just want to encourage you, those of you who haven't yet done that, signups will be next week. Um, and then third, Bottles for Life. Um, I told you guys about this a couple weeks back. The bottles are here and I'm really excited. I want you to go back and take a baby bottle home with you. Um, today and next Sunday and the Sunday after that, we're going to hear more and more about the awesome ministry of Sierra Pregnancy and Health, which I told you earlier, gives ultrasounds at no cost, gives diapers at no cost, gives bottles at no cost, has support groups uh, for women who have uh, lost children, who have lost children through abortion, who currently need support. Um, this ministry is amazing. And the way that they don't charge a woman for any of the health care that they provide is that somebody like us steps up. 
It's our privilege. It's our joy. And so um, we're doing a Bottles for Life campaign the next 15 days. These three Sundays and all the days in between, I'm gonna ask you to do two things. Number one, we're gonna find every penny, nickel, and dime that you know is in the cushions of your couch or is in your vehicle, and you're gonna fill up the bottle. I want. This is a great way to incorporate children. Guys, if you've got grandkids, you've got nieces and nephews and children, let them know what we're doing. We're helping mamas in crisis. That's what we're doing. We're buying diapers for, for women who desperately need diapers. And we're gonna fill these bottles up over the next 15 days. And then I don't know who's gonna draw the short end of the stick, but somebody has to take all these bottles you guys are about to fill up and go to Coinstar or whatever we're gonna do. It's gonna be amazing. We have like 40 bottles that need to get filled up. It's gonna be great. And in the name of Jesus, the first thing I ask you to do is to fill it with all of your change. The second thing I wanna ask you to do is gonna be harder, but more important. You ready? Oh, yes, go get Wayne's money and put all of Wayne's money into... Uh, <laughs> no, this is the harder part. I wanna encourage you to not put a single coin or bill or check. I don't want you to put anything into that bottle without praying for the woman who's gonna receive it. Amen. We do what we can do and we ask God to do what God can do. I'm not confident that we save babies. I think God saves babies, okay? So I wish I could Catholic guilt you guys, but I can't. I would love to have deacons right now that would lock the back doors and say, you're not allowed to leave the room without a baby bottle, but we're Protestants. I just can't do it. I can't. So I'll say it as best as I can. Please. There, that's all I can do. Please make sure, and it is okay to grab more than one. If you think your child will take that as a project and oh my goodness, give one to your child and then one for yourself. We've got 15 days. If we run out of bottles, I trust you guys to figure it out. Mason jars are a thing, okay? I love you. Have a great week. Go bless your world.